Hello, and welcome to the Power Aqua podcast, the science podcast that shines a light on the newest and most interesting research being conducted in the fields of aquatic and marine ecology. My name is Joe Money. I'm a PhD student and the host of this podcast. Today, I will be interviewing Serena Rasconi from the Institute of National Research for Agriculture, Food and the Environment in Thonon de Bain in the Alpine region of France. We'll be discussing her research on fungal parasites, sustainability of algal aquaculture, and the benefits and challenges of leading an international research network. Hello, Serena. How are you doing? Hi, Joe. Good. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, what the listeners might not know is me and Serena are uh, are actually co-producers of this podcast, so we end up speaking quite a lot, and uh, uh, I've definitely enjoyed our working relationship so far. It's a very nice uh, idea. Thank you, Joe, for uh, proposing this and uh, yeah, taking care of uh, this uh, very nice uh, activity uh, within uh, within Paraqua. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Um, so jumping into the questions, uh, Serena, can you give us a quick summary of your education and background just for the listeners to get to know you a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I'm... I'm Italian. I was born in Milano and uh, graduated from uh, the uh, National uh, University in uh, Milano in uh, Natural Science. Uh, I started studying uh, with uh, my master project, uh, the carbon cycle and the bacteria in uh, Lake Maggiore, which is also an alpine uh, lake in uh, in northern of Italy. And uh, and then, yeah, I moved uh, to France. I was lucky. I got a very interested PhD on the uh, ecology of a group of fungal parasites of phytoplankton, chytrids. And uh, I moved then uh, for uh, two, three different uh, postdocs uh, in uh, different, uh, very, very nice place uh, in uh, in Oslo and uh, in Austria at the uh, limnological station of Lundsansi, the Vassar cluster, where I got the opportunity to learn uh, a lot and uh, different uh, methods in, uh, in, uh, in limnology, molecular biology and trophic ecology. That's a very broad range of uh, countries and subjects that you've studied that's that's very interesting yeah let's say well if you want really a bit the the, the red thread is uh, well a limnology i'm a limnology i'm basically almost studied uh, lakes and uh, yeah the, the ecology of uh, plankton i work really with uh, 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 microorganisms i started as i say with bacteria phytoplankton a bit of zooplankton and so yeah let's say these are really a bit uh, the the the, the common uh, uh, topics that uh, were uh, were developed during my my studies. Yeah, and it sounds like you sort of have a very alpine focus in particular. I mean, uh, you've already mentioned that you went to Austria and Lake Maggiore in the Alps, and right now you're uh, calling from Thonon-le-Bain in the alpine region of France, right? Definitely, yeah, definitely. And uh, it is true, I mean, the Alps and the Peri-Alpine lakes are very important uh, ecosystem for Europe, providing fresh water, providing services. And uh, well, uh, Norway is also a very nice country. There are very nice lakes. But uh, yeah, definitely the, the, the Alps are uh, a very nice uh, in, and interesting environment for limnologists. Yeah, there's definitely other regions I can think that are maybe less scenic maybe less beautiful as uh, as the Alps, you picked a good one, I think. 
really like his beautiful i would say but uh, no definitely and you know i mean it's interesting also to work at the middle latitude working with the seasonal uh, change and different things i never that's true i never got the opportunity to work for example on extreme environment on the tropics or uh, yeah yeah but i mean i think the alps also provide uh quite a nice axis of latitude and climate and stuff like that so i can understand why it's a really interesting area to study in particular the lakes in that area yeah sure and uh, i mean as i say i study natural science so i'm not a pure uh, biologist so it is certainly interesting uh, on a point of view also of a more uh, let's say uh, environment wise uh, um, point of view on the, the system of course the, the the mountains and well the catchment area are a very important element in the alpine uh, region uh, especially considering two lakes uh, what is uh, uh, yeah something that uh, it's important to to take into account and uh, yeah it's very enjoyable to do some field work in the, in, the, in this environment yeah yeah and uh as you mentioned, your background in natural science must give you a sort of systems-based uh, view of these, these things, which I think we're going to touch on a bit later, uh, but really important nonetheless. Um, so yeah, uh, speaking of lakes and limnology, how did you discover that you enjoyed working in the fields of aquatic ecology and, and why was this area of biology uh, particularly important to you? Yeah, as I say, well, I grew up in Milano. It's a, it's a big city. There is, a, uh, yeah, a lot, of course, to, to see and discover. But yeah, nature is probably not the, the, the main thing that uh, is, uh, is present there. But uh, I always uh, had the, the, the chance to, uh, to, to visit uh, the, the, the environmental, uh, the environment, sorry, around. And uh, well, it is true, the Alps are not far away from uh, Milano and uh, yeah, the, the Peri-Alpine Lakes. So I was visiting a lot Lake Maggiore and that's the reason why I tried also to 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 go there for uh, my studies because yeah I immediately had the feeling that uh, uh, I was better in uh, uh, on the lake shore or on the forest surrounding the lake than uh, in the city I've always been interested in understanding uh, how uh, life interact uh, with uh, with the environment and what are uh, really the drivers uh, and the factor that govern a bit uh, the the, the let's say the, the the rules of uh yeah the the life and how organism yeah as i say can interact and uh and as i say also this uh, seasonal change this uh, regular uh cycle that the middle latitude happens so uh, regularly because every year we see season and every year it's always uh, amazing uh, to to discover what happened in spring and what happened in winter so um, these are really things that uh, fascinated me when I was uh, young and uh, I decided that if I could uh, keep uh, uh, learning about uh, ecosystem uh, that would be yeah make me more uh, interested and happy about my studies yeah yeah, I, I mean, a lot of what you're saying resonates with me as a biologist myself. Uh, and yeah, and I think uh, there's a lot of, one of the things you said that really, uh, that I agree with and, and probably I share is that the sort of interaction between different ecosystems, you can see so much in lakes and rivers, can't you? Because there's just so much boundary between, you know, one aquatic ecosystem and a terrestrial ecosystem and how these two things influence each other 
I find very interesting as well. Um, so diving a little bit deeper into your research, your current research is focused on the ecology of aquatic fungal parasites. Now, for our listeners who aren't familiar with this specialized area of biology, could you explain the role that fungal parasites play in aquatic eco ecosystems? Now, I've talked to people before about my work, and in this area, I've, I've also done a bit of research, and fungal, aquatic, parasites, those are three words that don't always get lumped together in public consciousness. So, uh, yeah, if you could explain a little bit about it, that would be really interesting, I'm sure. Yeah, well, it is true that, uh, well, uh, fungi are not mainly studied in lakes and uh, parasitism is not the main biotic interaction that, uh, well, has got attention, let's say, in the past because now things are changing also uh, thanks to the new technologies because, yeah, as I mentioned, I, well, always, um, yeah, for most of the, my my research worked with very small organisms, so that was a bit of challenge also for uh, the the methodology for a correct uh, uh, observation. Actually, uh, the 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 fungal uh, parasites uh, were uh, known uh, since already well, um, at least uh, if not the beginning of uh, the last century, I would say the fifties, the sixties was the work of uh, Hilda Kanter uh, that started describing uh, some uh, organisms that uh, she was observing uh, uh, growing uh, on uh, the, the, the phytoplankton. But uh, yeah, as I say, it's thanks to the new technology that we could really understand that this, uh, uh, this organism uh, belong to the group uh, of fungi, or at least most of them, not all uh, the phytoplankton and uh, algal parasite, because also macroalgae have, have parasite. But uh, yeah, as I said, the new technology brought uh, light on this organism and uh, was possible yeah, to clarify a bit better the phylogeny and the characteristic of this organism. And uh, indeed, parasites are quite important uh, organisms, not only uh, in water, not only uh, when they are parasites of algae. And uh, it is true that parasites get a lot of attention when, because they, when they are uh, lethal and dangerous for, well, humans or resources for humans, like, well, for example, food or livestock. These are all hot topics. So the, 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 the economic interest, of course, in studying this organism is very important. Coming a bit more to the aquatic environment and, let's say, the ecological importance of this organism, well, it's uh, it's uh, well. First of all, as I say, it's uh, well from the point of view of the phytoplankton population can be very important drivers. This uh, parasite can be uh, very uh, virulent and uh, can decimate entire population. Uh, or well, when they are specific, uh, uh, they can really target uh, species of uh, phytoplankton that maybe at the moment is even dominant, predominant. So uh, they can really uh, also uh, um, modulate, if you want, a bit the, the, the dynamic of the different uh, species uh, of the phytoplankton in, uh, in the environment. Uh, they are very important uh, from uh, an evolutionary uh, point of view. Uh, they can really 
promote the genetic diversity on one side, as I say, because they can suppress some organisms that are dominant and allow the organism to uh, proliferate at that moment, but also for uh, uh, what is the eco-evolutionary dynamic parasite, well, not only for uh, phytoplankton in lakes, but in general, phytoparasites uh, are a very important uh, force for uh, what is, uh, let's say, the, the, the this uh, uh, dynamics between host and parasites, so they really allow uh, the um, evolutionary uh, change in, uh, in, uh, in population. Uh, for what are for what are specifically uh, the phytoplankton parasite, uh, fungal um, aquatic fungi are what are called the zoosporic uh, fungi. They have uh, a dissemination life stage, which is a spore can swim, so it's definitely this an adaptation to the aquatic environment. But what is uh, important, let's say, on the ecosystem point of view, is that this spore it's uh, it's small and can be very, be very easily grazed by other organisms uh, up to the phytoplankton, uh, the ciliate, the rotifers, and up to the crustacean phytoplankton. So it's a veritable resource uh, for other organisms. So um, this parasite can be also uh, very important, uh, as involved in uh, traffic link, uh, provide resources, uh, be also an alternative link when, for example, there are phytoplankton species that are not uh, edible because they are too big or even toxic in case of phytoplankton bloom. So uh, as you, uh, we 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 can see, there are different aspects of uh, the the parasitism that uh, uh, make this organism important also in uh, lake environments. Yeah, I think um, that's really really interesting stuff, and I think. Uh, one of the things that you touched on is that parasites have such a such a sort of a scary reputation, I guess, in our in our world. Like they have bad economic effects, they have bad effects on our health. But actually, the things that you've just been talking about, they can regulate ecosystems, they can promote uh, uh, active grazing, um, they can sort of modulate and uh, almost improve the biodiversity and prevent monocultures in lakes that actually these are these are tools that we can use to remediate lakes that have been polluted by us that have been uh, basically made eutrophic by us and actually i think these very very small parasites that are funguses that grow on these small filaments of uh, phytoplankton and cyanobacteria they can be really powerful uh, tools for us in our even in the even if you want to think even more broadly in fighting climate change because lakes have a big regulating effect on the climate locally and globally and uh you're right that these uh these parasites could uh there's definitely uh a lot of worth that we could find uh in researching more of them i think for sure yeah and an aspect that yeah maybe i i didn't uh, uh addressed 
in, in my answer is also, yeah, these are fungal parasites. So as I said in the beginning, fungi are not very much studied in, in, uh, in lakes. But well, we know, for example, uh, in terrestrial environment, fungi have a very important uh, symbiosis with, uh, with plants. Uh, they have a very important interaction with organisms, notably on the point of view of the recycling of the nutrients. So uh, this is something that uh, it's uh, started to get um, a bit uh, on the momentum and start to be really something important that we uh, start to be uh, studied is really the importance of the interaction among different organisms. The, and uh, uh, so I, I think this is something that will also come what is the importance of this association fungi algae uh, um, if fungi really can have also in the aquatic environment this important role of uh, recycling nutrients. And uh, yeah, here we are talking about parasites. So of course they are detrimental for the host, but as I said, they can be important resources for some other organism in the ecosystem. So this uh, a bit large point of view uh, can be important, as I said, to take into account that fungi are a also quite particular organism with particular characteristic that, uh, uh, yeah, as I say, his legs have been a bit uh, overlooked. So I think this is also an interesting aspect that deserves to, to, uh, to be studied. Yeah, and that, that brings me on perfectly to my next question, uh, which is, uh, broadly speaking, why is it important to study aquatic fungal parasites? And, and how does this research into the area impact the lives of the general public? I mean, we've touched upon it broadly, but uh, how, how can we sort of relate it to local causes, to uh, lake health and, and e e even tourism, things like that, you know, uh, th these things can have a, a big effect, I think. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, studying how lakes means uh, understand how they work, and this is super important. Well, uh, because uh, bring us to understand that they are functioning and how they can provide also the, the fundamental uh, services that uh, lakes provide uh, to uh, humans. Well, first of all, drinking water, food. So as I mentioned before, this uh, parasite can be very important also for what is the food web, the recycling and providing resource uh, to the upper trophic level. So this is definitely uh, one thing and is, uh, and is very important. Understanding the uh, functioning of the ecosystem, as I say, brought us to protect us. And uh, well, now we know also that uh, some of our ecosystem were not, well, let's say, protected enough. So they need also some action. They need uh, to be uh, restored. They, we need really some concrete uh, decision now. Well, not all the lakes, fortunately, needs a strong action, but some need. And um, so it will be important to understand, of course, uh, as much as possible, uh, the functioning of the ecosystem. Because, yeah, as I say, this means uh, uh, being able to protect and restore them better. Another important aspect is mainly related to the target of this parasite uh, is the host, which uh, are algae 
uh, and microalgae, phytoplankton, but also, as I mentioned before, macroalgae are target of parasite. And we know that today's uh, today algae and the, the production of the algal biomass, it's a very important topic. It's getting momentum in, uh, in the entire Europe. It can really constitute uh, the future. It can really constitute an alternative uh, resource, which is uh, sustainable, which can... Uh, can grow, uh, let's say, more or less easily. This, of course, it depends uh, a bit on the need because the biomass algae can be used for very different from purposes, from the mass culture, for providing, well, fuel, uh, even food to a very, uh, let's say, uh, precise and target production of uh, high value molecules. But let's say, Broadly speaking, uh, the, the algal biomass production uh, is getting uh, very uh, promising. And uh, understanding which are the factors that can harm this production, that can pose risk for good production, as I say, in both sense, either on the mass production for fuel or, uh, well, even more on the very, uh, uh, let's say, the, the, the need of uh, producing pharmaceutical and high valuable molecule of very pure and clean culture. So when we think about contamination and factor that, uh, yeah, can... Uh, pose risk for the, 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 the production or even the development of uh, the, 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 the technologies and the, 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 the facilities that can uh, uh, allow us to produce this, uh, uh, this resource. Well, we, we understand that uh, it's important to understand which are the, the factors that are linked, as I say, to the risk of this, the production of this new resource. Yeah, going back to our earlier point, uh, the effect of parasites on agriculture and health, and these are the things that people commonly think of when they think of parasites and funguses. But actually, as you said, uh, algae production is becoming a really big industry in itself, not just for food, not just for livestock feed, not just for pharmaceuticals, but like all of those different areas are going to have different regulations and different needs um, so understanding what is going to be preying on the algae is completely uh, necessary. I, so so I, I completely understand what you're saying there. Um, so going a bit more broadly speaking, um, I'd just like to highlight that not only are you a researcher at the Institute of National Research for Agriculture, Food and the Environment in France, but you're also the chair of the Para Aqua Action Group. Um, so just speaking about uh, organization in science, really, what has this experience taught you about the relevance and need for international cooperation within any field of scientific study? Yeah, well, uh, um, I would say uh, sharing uh, knowledge, experience and discussing uh, with uh, uh, with people, experts uh, is uh, really the, the driving force uh, of, uh, well, uh, in, learning and improving and uh, it's really something extremely of course there is something extremely fundamental uh, about as i say knowledge sharing and uh, this is uh, 
uh, of course it's important to 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 be in a in a network or to be connected with people because this is how it happens of course uh, we can uh, read and uh, listening to podcasts and watching uh, uh, um, training video but it's not the same what they want to say. I mean, it's like we are doing now. It's very enjoyable to have a conversation and to 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 discuss and uh, and share. So of course, uh, cooperation comes from that. Comes from a bit, uh, yeah, getting in contact to people and uh, finding also common interest and uh, yeah, the the the. the the, the, the idea of uh, progressing together, of course, it's something that is extremely powerful and uh, and important. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, the, the Action Paracqua really has the, 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 the vocation to, to create links uh, among people and uh, as we say, especially uh, while we're focusing on the uh, parasite of algae. So the idea of the action was really to connect scientists and uh, well uh, um, people that uh, has the need to acquire knowledge on uh, uh, what can be the, the contaminants and uh, the, uh, the factor that can pose risk for uh, the, the, the algal production. So um, this, let's say, was a bit the, the, the main idea of uh, this action. And we find out that actually is um, it's quite um, important to, to, to connect these two worlds also, because of course, like for everything, when you have knowledge and also specific and deep knowledge on some topic, it's important that this knowledge then can be applied for some purpose that is not only the knowledge sharing, but yeah, as we say in this case, the, the algal process Action. So cooperation is only uh, is also sorry important uh, for that because uh, it's about sharing, but it's also about funding important uh, well application and uh, way forward for uh, for applying this uh, this knowledge. An important, very important aspect that maybe we can mention now, which is a bit broader and uh, um, it's for international cooperation, but as I say, it's a bit more for every kind of knowledge is also, as I say, sharing and sharing openly. Uh, today is uh, uh, becoming clear that uh, um, opening resources, it, it's really the key to empower people and to uh, um, bring things forward. So this uh, idea that is uh, uh, now becoming important of open sharing, uh, open resource, uh, open science, uh, it's something very important and it's something that I strongly believe on. I can understand that there is still a bit of... Um, reticence uh, that the system needs uh, to be more promoted that people need to acquire more knowledge on how this work but i think it's something that uh, uh, will uh, really uh, 
became important in the future and I really hope that uh, everybody will uh, adopt a system like this because of course it's also the importance of uh, uh, keeping things open that everybody can participate and believe in this way of uh, of sharing. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really, really interesting way of viewing it. I think uh, we've already talked about your very international background. You've, you've spent a lot of time in different countries at different research institutes. And I'm sure that informs your sort of view on these things. And uh, yeah, I have to say, I, I completely agree. Um, there's a really interesting phrase that I think we used on my project when we were when we were applying for funding, which is like added value, which is how much added value you get from these international uh, corporations. And I, I think it's obviously like, it's not always the most, it's not always the point of your research, but having that international network gives you a lot of added value. I think you can make connections, you can work with colleagues and, uh, you know, not to get too starry eyed about science, but in, in the history of science, the communication was one of the things that was really slowing things down. Like you go back to even Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace, th those two people were working on the same thing and they just didn't have the communication networks that we have today. And one of the reasons I think for the, the sort of the modern synthesis of science and biology in particular is, is that we can communicate so well. And so I think there's real value in leading and also joining one of these networks. So yeah, I'd just like to extend the thank you from everyone at Paraqua for being such a good chair. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, well, coming back, you know, a bit to this topic of the uh, open access resources and the open science, which is something that, yeah, as I say, I see very promising. And uh, yeah, I try to promote a lot because, as I say, it's something in which I strongly believe and uh, it's really uh, important. Uh, and a very important point also, as you mentioned, communication is also this, uh, let's say, uh, a new way of uh, uh, sharing your knowledge and through new type of publication. Uh, now, I mean, we are really used of the classical scientific papers. And of course, uh, I mean, with whole lot of books uh, and libraries and this uh, uh, very mystic place, but science uh, and knowledge now uh, it's shared also through uh, different, uh, uh, let's say, format uh, and way also. Like now it's possible to publish scripts, uh, it's possible uh, uh, to uh, publish uh, uh, data set, uh, to share really uh, knowledge that allows to build other knowledge that allows people to learn from what you already did and what you already know and from that to work on. We are working now on this uh, database to create a tool that will be open access and that we believe it will be important for the community because it will allow people also to get the knowledge that they need to go forward and build their own knowledge for their own need. Uh, another point, for example, coming back to the public, the classic publication is this new way of reviewing article, the open review that happens directly on the platform where uh, the author can publish their, their work. Well, for example, 
Now, uh, in Europe, is uh, getting very important the Open Research Europe platform, which is a platform for publishing that allows uh, scientists and researchers that have uh, Horizon Europe uh, project to uh, directly publish their work and have a direct dialogue with the reviewer, uh, the reading their work, making comments and helping them to, to improve. So everything also thanks to the new technology is getting more direct. Uh, people can really interact in a more fluent and constructive uh, way. And so I see a lot of barriers going down at the moment, a lot of uh, dynamism and uh, uh, I think it's very exciting to see this change and be a bit uh, uh, there at this moment. Yeah, and you're completely right in that the communication methods are there, but there's always going to be barriers that maybe are worth campaigning to, to break down. And I think networks like this do a really good job of breaking down these barriers in science, in you know, making open access a priority, uh, like you mentioned, are our database that we're working on. I think things like that only have good benefits and uh, we've, we've always got to campaign and, and sort of fight for the right to be able to have that open access to knowledge and uh, things that can benefit everyone. So yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, and so we've just talked quite, uh, quite well about the benefits of uh, these international action groups such as Paraqua. So final question, um, if anyone was interested in joining Paraqua or other international scientific action groups, can you recommend any ways to get involved or find out more about these things? Yeah, well, as I say, Paraqua is also, of course, open to, to everybody, everybody that has an interest to, to join the network. The action is very welcome to join. It's possible to apply. The link is on the Paraqua website. You can search on whatever search engine on the internet. Paraqua Cost. Uh, cost is the uh, European Cooperation in Science and Technology. He is uh, the, the the program, the funding program that uh, support uh, us and our action. So yeah, as I say, just uh, uh, search on internet Paraqua uh, Cost, and it will be easier to to find. Uh, this post podcast will be in any case diffused on uh, our uh, platform on social media, so they will be associated also to the link to the podcast, uh, the, the, the links to, to get to, to our website and to join us. So if you are listening this podcast, you probably will have some facility and uh, yeah, opportunity to find uh, us on the, on the net. Yeah, and whatever platform you're listening to this on, I'm sure in the description we'll have uh, the relevant links for how you can not just join Paraqua, but maybe look into other uh, networks through cost Cost actions are, uh, yeah, uh, uh, really a lot, a lot of different topics. And as I say, everybody is uh, free to join. They also, also of course, have a, a website, cost.eu, where you can find the entire catalog uh, of the action. And yeah, as I say, everybody is uh, free uh, to join uh, the other uh, action. All action are open. And uh, I'm sure that there are, uh, yeah, a lot of 
of chairs out there that they would be more than happy to uh, talk about what they are doing and uh, welcome uh, yeah interested people um, i'm also of course uh, available my name is on the description of the, the podcast uh, my uh, email address is on the, the paraqua website uh, so definitely uh, feel free uh, to to contact me if you would like some more uh, information or just uh, uh, a chat on uh, yeah how we can uh, work together uh, on uh, on this topic and yeah um the same goes for the whole of parak i think i think i can speak on behalf of of all of our members where if you want to get involved if you want to reach out to someone who's doing research that you're interested in just go for it i think it's always uh, always worth an email always worth thing, you know finding out so i think all that remains to be said is uh thanks for joining us serena it's been lovely having you on thank you thank you joe thanks everybody for uh, for listening it was a, a pleasure and a very nice uh, chat the para aqua podcast was funded by cost the european cooperation in science and technology and is a product of the para aqua action group If you are interested in joining an action group or just want to know more, please go to www.paraaqua-cost.eu or follow the link in the episode description. The podcast is produced by myself and Serena Rasconi, and the science communication coordinator is Anna Gavrilovic. Once again, thanks for listening and see you next time on the Para Aqua podcast.